Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I have been, uh, some of you perhaps also, but I've been in the middle of the Negev Desert <laughs> on a hike at night. Man, I'm telling you, when you're in the middle of the Negev Desert at night, you're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you can actually see the Milky Way, but man, phew, boy, you are very alone. Even if you have some people with you, you just feel very isolated. I've been uh, deep in the woods of rural Georgia. I'm not talking about metro land. I'm talking about rural Georgia where it's just woods for miles and miles and miles. And I, my dad used to be, my dad, our retired rabbi, he used to be a, a relic hunter of uh, Civil War and other artifacts and he'd coins and stuff, and he'd use his metal detector. And when I was a kid, he would take me out in metal detecting uh, and, and we'd go into the woods and we would go deep, deep, deep into the woods. And, and I'm talking about, wow, just like for hours walking out to the woods and man, we were by ourselves. There was nobody for forever. I remember that. I've been to rural Alaska Tiffany and I, I remember we were driving one time to Fairbanks from Anchorage, and we were just driving, the two of us in the car, and we were driving, you know, this was our very first time we were ever in Alaska, and we were driving from Anchorage to Fairbanks, and, and we thought it was kind of a warmer part of the season, and then it started snowing. <laughs> and, and it's a 350-mile drive from, from Anchorage to Fairbanks, and on this drive, I am telling you, you see almost nobody. I mean, it's just unbelievable how you'll drive mile after mile after mile after mile. And then it starts snowing, and you're like, oh, boy, okay, man, you feel very alone. You are alone, man. Woo. Oh, it was a weird feeling. A lot of you know I've been to Antarctica. Woo. Man, you're talking about something else. Although you had other people on the expedition, God forbid you needed some serious medical attention. Because <laughs> you need some serious medical attention, you, you, in, you in some trouble. Other than research stations, we were over 700 miles to the closest small town. To the closest small town. 
And if you needed a big city, you know, let's say you needed something serious. If, if you needed a big city, well, Buenos Aires was a cozy 2,000 miles away. That was the closest big city to where we were in Antarctica. Man, we were in major isolation. That's about as isolated as you can get in the world. It's so interesting. These are all examples of being physically alone. And although they can be very intense, I'm also very well that very well aware that you can be in a crowded room and feel very profoundly alone. It's really true. And beyond this, sometimes I think when you stand up for what's right, sometimes you stand up and it seems like almost nobody else is standing. <laughs> you know, if, if you are trying to stand up for what's right, oftentimes you stand up and you might stand up with confidence, symbolically I'm, I'm talking, and you look around and it's like, ooh, boy, nobody, <laughs> nobody else is standing, yikes. In those moments, friends, you also feel intensely, intensely alone. 1 Kings chapter 19. Such was the case for Eliyahu, Elijah the prophet. Eliyahu Hanavi. Some of you know the song. Passover is actually coming up. <laughs> Elijah the prophet's. Recall that Elijah, you know, Elijah, for sure, one of the greatest prophets ever, no doubt. I mean, this guy was, wow, heavyweight. The miracles that Elijah did, unreal stuff the Lord did through Elijah. Okay, recall that Elijah, as we're going to pick up the story, if you look at chapter 18, but we're going to go to 19, but Elijah had just defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. It was an extreme victory. Some of you remember the story. He called down fire from heaven. Fire from heaven came down upon those sacrifices. And he defeated the prophets of Baal. There were 450 prophets of Baal. And he alone defeated all those 450. He won the challenge. I mean, this, this, was, this is one of the most dramatic powerful, moving stories in all the scripture when you see Elijah by himself absolutely standing up for what's right and what's true, all alone against 450 prophets of Baal. And, and what happens, of course, because his God is God, and, and he wins the challenge, and, and they're all defeated, and they're all slain at that point. It's a, it's a remarkable story of great victory straight from God, really something. Here's one guy standing alone against an army, and he is the victor by himself. Why? Because God was with him. God was with him. He was, he was serving the one true God. Really remarkable story. Mount Carmel is one of my favorite places. It's so beautiful in Israel. It's actually a, it's, it's actually a, a chain of, of mountains there, the Carmel chain. There's a wonderful Messianic congregation uh, the Carmel Messianic Assembly that's, that's on the top of one of the, one of the peaks there of, of Mount Carmel. And the synagogue is built uh, in, in, the, in the form of, of kind of a circle. And uh, in, in the top, right above the, the bima, right above the pulpit bima area, is, uh, is, is a skylight that is in a circle that, that kind of goes straight up to heaven. 
And, and the thought is, is that boom, phew, that's where fire comes down. That's, now that, you know, listen, no, no offense against Roswell, but that's, that's a good sight, man. Are you kidding me? That's a great place for a congregation. I love going to that place. You know, it's just, it's just beautiful. Man, they, they specialize in, in worship and, and dance in that congregation, and I can understand why the fire of God uh, comes down there. Okay, so this is the place. This is the time Elijah had defeated all these prophets. Just, again, solo, man. He was the only one against 450, and he won the battle. You can read about it all in chapter 18. That's flying high, man, coming off the big V, the big victory, and what happens? The very next thing that happens, y'all, this is really important for us to understand. I think we can relate to this in many different ways. Right after this, Elijah, right after this, I'm talking about right, the mo- literally moments after this, Elijah suffers great emotional strain, mental anguish. Why? Well, King Ahab, who was the king of Israel at the time, King Ahab and his wife, Jezebel, you've heard that name, right, were quite upset at what Elijah had done. They were very upset about it. And let's pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Let's hear what Jezebel said and did. Verse 1, then Ahab, that's the king, uh, told Jezebel, all that Elijah had done, these were, he was an evil king and his wife, they, they had set up a lot of the, 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 to worship of Baal and all this kind of thing, they were bad, bad king. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and now he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Uh-oh. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, here's what Jezebel said to Elijah, so let the gods do to me and worse if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like the life of one of them that he had killed. So she threatened his life. She said, said, you're going to be dead by tomorrow. Verse 3, frightened, frightened. He got up and ran for his life. Elijah, what? He got up and, and ran for his life. What? When he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom bush. He prayed that he might die. It's too much, he said. Now Adonai, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. What? 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 You get to heaven, and you meet Elijah. Don't mention chapter 19. <laughs> I imagine he's going he's gonna to say, are you Elijah of the, of the fire calling down fire from heaven? Well, yes, that's me. I'm that, I'm that one. That's me. I'm Eliahu. Oh, wow. Same one in chapter 19. Uh, um, uh, uh, hold on, hold on. I, I think I have an appointment I have to go to. <laughs> What did he say? Elijah said, take my life. Take my life, God? Take my life? He prayed that he would die? Right after, I mean right after, his glorious victory where fire came down from heaven. Read the story in chapter 18. Fire poured down from heaven and consumed the offering when Elijah prayed. That's that's. A biblical miracle. 
right then, right after this amazing victory, when the prophets of Baal were defeated in grand fashion? Friends, listen, mental health is only now getting some of the attention it deserves. Many of you at one time or another have felt despondent or deeply discouraged or perhaps even depressed at times. And medical professionals and counselors can sometimes help for sure, no question. But truly, we need the mind of the Lord to fully overcome this. Amen? We don't dismiss it. I don't look upon judgment at at Elijah. And I don't think, wow, Elijah, boy, what a weakling. What, you know, what a loser. How, How, no, 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 no. No, friends, he was going through it. It's tough, my friends, and oftentimes, what, what was it? What was it that was causing him such mental anguish? We must ask this question. You know, when we examine the story of Elijah, right, Judy, when you see somebody who is that powerful, used by God, we're talking about one of the greatest prophets in all the Bible with miracles uh, as much as probably just about anybody, maybe save uh, Elisha, Okay, right? Elijah and Elisha, these guys, Moses. Okay, but there's not many who, who were as many, as many miracles as Elijah. This guy was powerfully used. And yet, he said, God, I, I, I want to die. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. You know, maybe you've been there at one time or another to a greater or lesser extent. I can't take it. How, how, but how could, how could what, what, what was it that brought this about for Elijah what brought about these feelings of despondency and, 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 and hopelessness in many ways? It's actually revealed in, in the story uh, what causes him this mental anguish. Uh, sure, Jezebel was after him to kill him, of course. Jezebel was after him, okay, and, and, and she threatened his life. But, but he had just had some serious threats by all these other prophets. I mean, what's going on? Well, as the story continues, he travels to Mount Horeb, which scholars believe is another name for Mount Sinai, and there he hears from God. This is the story of the, the you know, it wasn't in the earthquake, it wasn't in the, it was in the still small voice. You, you, you're familiar with that, that story. But it, it was this, what did the still small voice communicate to Elijah? Well, let's read. First Kings chapter 19, we'll skip down to verse 9. When he arrived there at the cave, he spent the night there, meaning Elijah, Then behold, the word of Adonai came to him, and he said to him, God said to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? He he had ran to escape. He ran scared to death. He he ran freaking out. He said, I can't take it anymore. Just take me, God. I want to die. And and, and he finally gets to Mount Sinai, and and, and God says, hey, hey, Elijah, what, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Verse 10, here it is. Elijah says, I've been very zealous for Adonai Tzavaot, the Lord of hosts. He said, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and slain your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they are seeking my life to take it. Wow. Okay, Elijah, I see. I see what's going on here. I see, I see, I understand here. Elijah feels profoundly alone 
profoundly alone. See, it doesn't matter if you have people around you. It doesn't even matter if you're married. You have somebody right there with you. You're on a ship with other people. You can feel profoundly alone in the midst of even lots of people. Elijah says, the whole world is turned against God. Well, hello. Is that at all familiar to you? The media, the news, the popular culture, the schools, public officials. Oh, God, I think I might be the only one left that still serves you. I am so alone. I can't take it. Take my life, oh, God, Elijah said. A lot of similarities to today's world. Maybe that's a little hyperbolic. I'm doing that to make a point. Oftentimes, we feel very isolated. Oftentimes, we feel very isolated. And regardless, and regardless of if you're Jewish or you're not Jewish here in a Messianic congregation, we are a minority of a minority. I mean, that's just the fact. If you're Jewish here, you understand it. It's a minority and you're a minority. If you're Gentile here, how many Gentile are part of a Messianic Jewish congregation? You're a minority too, right? Sometimes we feel isolated even relative to our community, even to our own community, our own brothers and sisters, our own Jewish brothers and sisters. But let's see how God replies to Elijah. It's interesting just to hear this because there's a lesson in here for us when we are feeling this aloneness, this loneliness, this, this feeling of being all alone in whatever, to whatever extent that we do, here it is. First, God says to Elijah, okay, Elijah, get going. First, he tells him, get going. I want you to get going. Go on to Damascus. I got some more business. I got some more prophecies for you to take care of. You got to do some more stuff. Let's get up and let's get moving. God has more work for Elijah to do. Then God tells Elijah this in verse 18. He says, by the way, (laughs) Elijah, you who think you are all alone and you're the only one who serves God left in the whole world, God says, verse 18, yet I have, God's speaking here, yet I have preserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouth has not kissed him. God tells Elijah, enough, Bubala, enough, you are not alone. Hey, listen, you are not alone, bubble of You don't have to fret so much. You don't have to freak out. You feel like you're all alone. You feel like you're the only one, but you're not alone, my friend. I preserve 7,000 others. Sometimes we feel alone in our struggle, but God always has a remnant. Allow that to encourage you. That should encourage you no matter how No matter how it feels sometimes, there are others who are going through things that are similar to what you are going through. Not always exactly the same, but you're not, you're by yourself in this. This is the important thing to remember, is that whatever it is that you're going through, everybody's going through something different, right? Each of us is going through different things in our lives. And oftentimes when we're going through that which we're going through, it feels like, man, Nobody understands, nobody's with me, nobody is going through this but me, and I just feel so profoundly alone. Okay, Elijah, I get it. 
you know, this is part of that mental anguish that we sometimes go through, this, this mental strain and, and pressure, and, and we feel isolated oftentimes. It doesn't matter who's around us, y'all. Sometimes we, we can just feel very alone, but it's not the truth. It's actually a deception to try to further discourage you and to make you more despondent and to, to cause hopelessness to rise up within you. Romans chapter 11. In the Brit Hadashah, the New Covenant, Rabbi Shaul is talking about how the Jewish people had been disobedient to God and how many had turned from the Lord. So, so Rabbi Shaul is talking about, he's saying, hey, listen, he kind of goes through, you read chapter 10. The Jewish people are my Jewish people. We've turned against God. We've disobeyed him. We've done this wrong. We've done that wrong. And, and, and so many kind of fell away and aren't serving God. There's, there's really so many. It blew it. And if you look at the, the prophets and if you look at the, the timeline of the Tanakh, you see it all too often how our people messed up and how many turned from the Lord and how there were not many who were faithful. But then he says this. Rabbi Shaul says, nonetheless, this, and of course, part of this rejection, even of Yeshua too in, in, in bulk, was so that the word could be spread to the Gentiles, right, in order to make Israel envious, he says in Romans 11. But let's go to verse 1 of Romans 11, and he says this, I say then, God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be, do you hear what Paul, some people say, Paul, oh, you know, the, uh, they think that he's not as pro-Jewish as, as some. Do, do you see what he says here? I say then, God has not rejected his people, talking about his Jewish people, has he? May it never be, for I too am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse two, God has not rejected his people whom he knew beforehand. Or do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Adonai, they've killed your prophets. They've destroyed your altars. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. Wow, we just read that, verse four. But what is the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So in the same way also, at this present time, there has come to be a remnant according to God's gracious choice. Mm. See, and Rabbi Shaul is using in his uh, derash, uh, he's using the same text that I am using for my text. He's a better preacher than me, but hey, listen, you know, you take what you can get. Okay, so <laughs> what is he saying? He's saying, yes. So many of our people have rejected God in so many ways, but there's always a remnant. There's always a remnant. In some ways, we could be called Congregation Beth 7000. We're part of the remnant. You're part of the remnant. You're part of the remnant that God has called out. You are part of the remnant that is not doing things like the world is doing. My, my father used to say, Basically, you got the whole world, and they're marching in a parade this way, and you are marching in a parade that way. It's contrary to the way that the bulk of the world is walking. And you, you may feel alone, but I promise you there are other people walking the same direction you are walking in. We are not alone in this, y'all. And we have each other here. This is another important, important reason for mishpacha and a kahila, a congregation, and, and, and being together. 
Mm. So very, very important. We are part of the remnant that still serves the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his Messiah, Yeshua. So again, we see here, not to be despondent. You are not by yourself. That may sound trite a little bit, but it's of great importance. I want you to think about this emotionally, mentally. Friends, it's brutal if, if, if emotionally, mentally, spiritually, if you think you're all alone. If you think you are all alone, and all of us have felt alone at one time or another, you don't, you don't have to be in Antarctica. You, you could be sitting right here. You could be watching online or listening to the podcast. You could be your own, in your own bedroom. You could be with your spouse or your parents. You can still feel profoundly alone, like nobody understands or cares. This is brutal when it happens, but to know that you are not alone is helpful. Others are making it through this. You too can make it through this. You can make it through this. I'm not giving you some kind of pie in the, in the sky, positive message, everything's gonna always be great. Things can be hard. It's, it's not that it's always easy, but it's with the Lord that things are gonna be okay. Things are gonna be okay with the Lord. How do I know? I'm so glad you asked. 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 10. <laughs> 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. You can make it through this, whatever it is that you are going through. My gosh, the pandemic has made people feel alone. So isolated. Students on, on virtual all the time just have no connection to any humans. Losing the context, the context of human touch almost. Wow, it's, it's sad. It's, it's, it's damaging. It can be damaging to our psyche if we feel very alone, even in a particular area, you know? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And sometimes when the pressure comes against us and temptations come against us, oh boy. But no, we have to understand what the word says. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, therefore let no one who thinks that he stands watch out that he doesn't fall. Okay, watch out. Be careful, in other words. Verse 13, no temptation has taken hold of you except which is common to mankind. We'll get into that in a second. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. Mm, yes, yes, thank you, Lord is right. Yes, amen. Mm -hmm. Friends, the pressures. I know nobody has any stress. <laughs> the pressures, the challenges, the temptations, the trials, all that you are going through is not so uncommon as it seems. It feels so uncommon. It feels like, oh, I'm going through this. Nobody can understand. Nobody is. And, and God tells us in Corinthians, he says, listen, what you're going through and the temptations that you have that are oppressing you, oh, I can't even take it, these temptations. I'm the only one. No, 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 no. Other people have gone through this. Other people have gone through things at least similar than this, similar to this. This is not so uncommon. Now, why does he say that? Does he say that to, to demean your, your consternation and your, and your anxiety? 
It's not a, deme- a demeaning that, the reason that he's doing this. He's doing this to actually to provide comfort and encouragement to you to say you're not alone. No, 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 no. It's, it's not a matter of you're the only one. No, other people have gone through this and they've made it through it. And guess what? You can too. You can make it through it. You can make it through it too. Whatever it is, you can make it through it also. You are not alone in this challenge. But however hard things will get, however much you feel stress, however tempted you are, God says he will not put more on you than you can handle. Man, that is, see, that's encouraging. He says to encourage you, brothers and sisters, achim v'achayot, he wants to encourage you. He's not gonna put so much on you that you literally can't handle it. No, he will provide a way for you to endure it. He will provide a way out. But the key is you can't do it on your own strength. It has to be through God. If you try to do it on your own strength, you can fail. You know, sometimes you'll succeed in your own strength. Sometimes you will succeed in your own strength, but then sometimes you're gonna fail in your own strength. Don't rely on your own strength. No matter how strong you are, you're really strong in a certain area. Good, that's great. Man, rely on the Lord. He's going to help you through it. Because you could fail otherwise. You might carry it for a little while. You might make things. But no matter our giftings, we will eventually fail unless we rely on him. This is why we have to rely on him. we got to rely on our Heavenly Father. Doesn't that make sense? Amen. I recall when I was uh, deep, I recall when I was deep, deep, deep in the woods. I, I remember as a kid, I'm talking about, when my dad would, would take us and, and he'd have his, it's interesting, he'd have his metal detector there and he'd have it connected to his headphones. And these headphones, we're not talking about little earbuds. I mean, these things were like, wow, it looked like, you know, Princess Leah, you know. <laughs> you can imagine Rabbi E. Okay. That's a funny visual. Okay, and so <laughs> there he is with his metal, de- and we start walking into the woods, and he says, he says, yeah, I've mapped it out. I've taken a look, and if we're going to have to walk for a good while through these woods. I think there's some spots that I think we might find some things in. And, and, and I, I think back now at how deep we were in the woods, and I mean, I mean, there were times where we would walk for hours, for hours, just, just walk in the woods. Sometimes we'd just have, you have the metal detector on his shoulder. Sometimes we'd be just hunting with it, moving in a general direction. And I'm talking about for a long time. It's well before, well, maybe a few years before they had GPS. I'm just saying here, okay? <laughs> okay, and, and I, re- I reflect on the fact, because I was thinking about this as I was working on the message, and I was thinking about the times where I was with my dad out in the woods like this, and we were just walking through the woods, Shelly, and I, and I was remembering, and then it dawned, something dawned on me, because I was a kid, and I was just with him, it was just he and I, and man, we were deep, deep, deep in the woods, and it suddenly dawned on me as I was reflecting upon this, because I did this with him many, many times, and it just suddenly dawned on me that not once did I even slightly have any fear at all. I can't... I can't remember ever being afraid of like getting lost or, or being alone. I, I, I never had that fear at all. I never, even gave, I never even gave it a second thought. 
Never any concern at all, Gary. Never any concern. Why? I was with my dad. I was with my dad, right? And I knew my dad would get us out of the woods. I knew he'd get us out of the woods. I didn't have to say and, and, and honestly, as I think back upon it now, right, I, 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 I don't even understand it. I mean, I think about it, and, I, and I'm afraid for myself now. Thinking about it then, it's like, holy moly, we could have gotten lost so easily. I mean, you know, you take 25, 30, 50 steps into the woods, and it's like, if you're not careful, you get turned around, man. They're going to send the National Guard after you. And, and what's crazy is, as I think about it, I, I, I mean, I promise you, I've not spoken with them about this. I don't know how he did it. He didn't have a compass. He was not some kind of a, um, you know, survivalist who, like, is like, let me see the angle of the sun and the shadows here and where we are based in the, the, the galaxy where we should go that direction. He, he, he's not a survivalist. He had no compass. We had no GPS. We would walk. I still don't know. How did he know how to get out of there? And always he'd be like, well, son, I can remember. I mean, how many times he said, well, son, we should be getting back because it's going to take us probably about an hour and a half before, and it's going to be getting dark around that time, so we should start going. Uh, okay, hour and a half walking to start to, 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 I'm talking about what, woods. I, one tree looks like another tree. The stumps, the whole, nothing, nothing looks the same. You know, it all looks the same. And we just walk, and you have it over the shoulder and walk. We go, okay, we got to get going. We've got to make it before it's sundown. We walk, and then suddenly it's like, boom, there's the car hour and a half later. I promise you, I got to see, I want to see, Lord, I want to see that on DVD in heaven. How did he know? I, I honestly don't know, but, but what I do know now, when I think back about myself at that age, I didn't have the slightest fear. I was not anxious. I was not afraid. Why? I had my dad there. He's going to get me out. Even though we were alone, we weren't alone. I wasn't alone. Hebrews 13. See, my friends, our Heavenly Father is always there for us. He's always there for us. He's always there for us. Hebrews 13, verse 5, the second half of verse 5, it says, For God himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that with confidence we say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do you see this? God himself. And, he, and, and, and here the author is quoting, of course, the Tanakh. God tells us he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do you hear that, beloved? I'm speaking to you. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. No matter what, what does this mean? In a very literal sense, friends, it means you are never alone. I don't care how you feel sometimes. You're never truly alone. You're never so distant from God that he cannot hear you. You have not been abandoned. I don't care what your father or your mother did your friends, so-called friends, your work colleagues, God will never, never, never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, 
you do not have to fear. Therefore, you can be encouraged. Why? Because he is with you. Man, that's a place of encouragement that's incredibly practical in your daily life. Some of you have been driving in the car on the way to work, for those of you who still commute. <laughs> and, and sometimes you feel alone, or maybe there's been a time in your bedroom where you're just crying and nobody sees it, nobody knows. You're crying in your pillow. You're, you're crying and you're, and you're getting Kleenex and you don't, and you just feel all alone. You're not alone. It matters. God is with you. What's the very last thing as we get ready to close? What's the very last thing that Yeshua the Messiah says before he ascends into heaven? Matthew 28, it's the very last thing. In fact, it's the very last thing that you'll read in the whole book of Matthew. The very last thing that Yeshua says, he says, he's about to ascend on into heaven. What does Yeshua remind us of? And why do I say remind? Because he specifically says, remember, remember this. So he's reminding us of something. It's the very last thing he leaves us with. He wants us to remember. If, if, you're, if, if, you, if somebody's leaving you physically and they're going to tell you something, you know it's going to be pretty important, the last thing they're going to say to you. And you need to internalize this and just receive it into your spirit. What the Lord and our Messiah Yeshua says in Matthew 28, the end of verse 20, what does he say? Yeshua says, and remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The end, <laughs> right? He says, remember, remember this. Remember when you are struggling, when you're mentally or emotionally struggling, when you feel by yourself, when you think that no one cares or no one understands, it's not true. These are lies from the pit. There are others. There are 7,000. And even more importantly than this, God is there with you. Yeshua himself tells us to remember Remember that Yeshua is with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's something to feel really, really, really good about. The title of my message is, You Are Not Alone. Let's bow our heads. I want to ask if there's anybody who's here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah, if that's you and you've never committed your life to God, but you'd like to, raise your hand and we'll pray together. If you've never said a prayer, committing your life to Yeshua, the Messiah, as your Messiah, he came as an atonement for you and me, my brother and my sister, because he loves us. Is there anybody who's never committed their life to Yeshua but wants to, raise your hand and we'll pray. Let's all stand just briefly, just for a minute. And I want to pray for you. You know what? I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because I don't want anybody to feel like, wow, well, I don't want to draw any attention to myself for this. But if you've ever felt alone, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that this message, these words, not mine, the words of the 
of the scriptures sink in deep into your spirit, right? So that, so that when you go through these moments, when you go through these times of despondency, despair, discouragement, depression, and when you feel such loneliness and you feel all alone and, and like nobody can understand and, and you're weeping and you're hurting, that the Lord brings us back to remembrance for you. Because everybody goes through stuff somewhere in that range at one time or another that you're not alone you're not alone you're not by yourself other people have gone through this other people have made it through it and Yeshua is there with you he'll help you he won't put on you more than you can bear he'll help you just you got to turn it over to him trust in him oh boy what an encouraging message Lord in the name of Yeshua I pray for each person who's here or watching online or on the podcast God I pray that you minister to us Lord that we are not all by ourselves that you are with us Lord other people have gone through this other people have had struggles Lord and they've made it through Lord God we depend on you we trust in you we know that you told us and even your Messiah Yeshua your son said remember that I'm with you always even to the end of the age Lord thank you that Yeshua is with us he's with us right now the presence, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, the presence of the living God is with us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in our life. It's interesting. The psalmists, the musicians were singing, and they piped back up the song, In your presence, O God, that's where I belong. Right? And, and, and God's presence is all around us because he's never away from us. He's with us always, he says. So if that's you and you've struggled at times, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Maybe through the pandemic you felt so isolated. You've missed out on things, missed with things with family or friends, and you, and you feel like you've, hey, listen, God is with you. God is with you. He's going to take care of you. This, have hope. Have hope, brother and sister. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you for your encouraging word in a new year, despite how circumstances may seem at times. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. We love you. B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of our Messiah, shall we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehel family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Nine, 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 nine.